Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Matthew, Matthew chapter 19 this morning. Now we've moved over into a subject we're calling operational faith. Man, I'll tell you, it's so cool to hang out with God. So I was talking to God about, I said, well, you know, Lord, it's not my church, it's your church, it belongs to Jesus. It's your word, not mine. Which direction? Because you could take the subject of operational faith and give it to a, someone like me, and I could go on for forever. So I, I, wanted to, I wanted to know, Lord, what are you saying to us? What are you speaking to us here at Island Church? What is the, what is the, what is the word that we need to move forward, to keep moving forward, to keep pressing in? I know we're right on the eve of a, of a great conference. I, I don't know if we really realize the dynamics of what God does for us here at Island Church. But I tell you, to have someone of the caliber of Christopher Alam and Eddie Turner and those, these guys come, it's just amazing. Amen. So I began to talk to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me. And I said, Lord, there's, there's all through the Gospels, operational faith. We get in the book of Acts. We get in the letters to the church. And I have so many of my own experience. The Lord asked me a question, and it's amazing because when God asks you a question, it never leads to another question. It leads to an answer. That's how you know when God's talking to you, not the devil. You say, why? Because the devil will ask you a question and it leads to another question. That'll lead to three more questions. It'll lead to five more. Next thing you know, you're confused. Amen. So I said, I said, Lord, okay, Lord, where do I go? What do I teach? How do I, what is it that, that the church needs to hear? And the Lord said this to me. He said, what inspires you? And I knew exactly what he was talking about. And what has inspired me literally for the last couple of years, and I've taught the message from just about every angle, but I heard it back when I was in Bible school, when I was a student at Lakewood Bible Institute back in 1984. Pastor John Osteen teached, taught a message or preached a message on this same uh, scripture reference about the woman with the, with the daughter that was possessed by a devil, but she wasn't Jewish. She was not in the covenant of God. Amen? And so this encounter between her and the Lord Jesus Christ is probably one of the most amazing encounters of, of operational faith in the Gospels. And the reason is, is because there seemed to be a resistance to her receiving from the one who had it to give to her. Did you, did you hear what I just said? Have you ever had that in your life? where you've had a, a, a problem, a circumstance, a situation, a trial, you were going through trouble, tribulation, whatever it might be. And as you sought God, it felt like the more you sought God, the further you got from the answer. It felt like in seeking God, it felt like in seeking God there was resistance. Have you ever been there? Uh, if you've ever done anything by faith, it's there. You're like, Am I, am I going down the right path for this? It seems like every time I, 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 I take a step of faith, it seems like the devil's standing there to knock me back down to the ground. Well, that's, that's just what the fight of faith looks like. Now, this woman in Matthew 19, let's, let's read it for a moment and come back to it because I know you've heard me teach on it a lot, but I, I, the Lord's given me some really good stuff on it here lately. Verse, uh, let me find it here. Verse, uh, looks like verse 21 there. It says, then Jesus... Uh, went thence and departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Cana, everybody say Cana, came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, everybody say, saying, 
Now, there is, I've heard this so many times from men of God that I sat under, and they would get up and teach, and when it came to speaking the Word of God, without exception, many of them would say this. They would say, I have not taught everything I need to teach on speaking the Word. I think one of the greatest power sources in the church today, we know the power of the Holy Ghost and what praying in tongues will do. Amen? We know the power of, uh, of agreement, what getting to agreement with other believers that, that believe like we do, and praying a prayer of faith. We know what that'll do. Amen? But there is power in the Word that we've not tapped into yet. And it's tapped into by how we say, by what we speak. That's why these constant confessions of the Word of God, they train your soul. Now listen to this. They train your soul to speak the language of redemption. That means when you're sitting in the doctor's office across from his desk and he looks at you and gives you a bad report, you smile, lift up your hand, says, yeah, but by his stripes I'm healed. And that's not even a conscious thought in your mind. It's an automatic. You ever heard the term muscle memory? Uh, you know, I, I, rode, I rode bulls for about three years. And one of the ways you become good at riding bulls is muscle memory. That means you've got to get on a bunch of them. And that's kind of hazardous, amen? But the guys that become the best at it are the ones that just, they, they, they call it riding, it riding it from jump to jump. You say, you say jump to jump. You say, what do you mean by Well, some guys try to set a trap for a bull when he comes out thinking he's going to turn this way, so I'm going to turn with him. And he'll turn another way and throw him right off. But if you do it jump for jump, then you ride every jump for what it is. And you have to develop muscle memory to where you're not consciously thinking, I need to do this, I need to do that. It needs to be automatic. One of the guys that I, that I, I watched for several years, and I, I really thought he was a cool character, and I'm praying for him because he needs the Lord. But he, uh, he, was not a, he didn't go to the gym, he didn't work out, he didn't, he, didn't, uh, he didn't do none of that, which all the top bull riders do. They're very, they're very well disciplined. He wasn't. He was just the opposite. He'd drink a six-pack of beer and go get on a bull. <laughs> Score 95 points. That's the way it was. So I listened to an interview with him because I wanted to know how this guy learned to do this. Because he was so, every move he made on a bull, it looked like they were dancing. It was amazing. So this is what he said. He said, when I was a boy about 13, 14 years old, I grew up on a ranch. And I felt like I wanted to, wanted to rodeo. I wanted to win, win a world title. He won too. He said, so I knew all these guys did all this stuff. He said, so I had this thought. He said, I thought I'd stand on a basketball. That's what he said. He said, I thought I'd stand on a basketball. So I put on my chaps and my spurs and my boots and my, and my and, you know, they wear vests. They put on my vest, my hat, everything like I was going to get on a boy. He said, I was just a little boy. He said, we lived on a ranch. He said, and I'd stand on that basketball. He said, the first time I did it, he said, I don't stand five seconds, I'd fall off. He said, but now I can stand all day long on that basketball. And he said, I told people over the years, what do you do? They'd say, what do you do to, to learn to, to, to ride so fluid? He said, I stand on a basketball. And he said, finally, one day, a guy who was a physical, you know, works with athletes, and he came to him and he said, I heard that you tell people that the way you learn to ride these ranked bulls was you stand on a basketball. He says, yeah. He says, do you know what that did? He said, no. He said, all I know is I ride good, bulls good because I stood on a basketball. He said, learning to balance on that basketball created muscle memory throughout your legs 
up into your hips and even up into your upper part of your body where every little slight thing that you had to do to adjust yourself on that basketball, your muscles learned how to do that. Now when you get on those bulls, those muscles know automatically what to do to keep you balanced. So there's no thought in your head whatsoever. It's an automatic muscle memory thing. Did you know you can get spiritually like that? Where you get something in the mail that says, you know, you're losing this amount of money, you just laugh and say, ah, my God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Something comes, tries to make you depressed. You say, no, the joy of the Lord is mine. But see, all that power is released by what you say, by what you speak. When you speak that word, you're standing on that basketball. Do you get that? When you speak that word, you're standing on that basketball and you are creating spiritual muscle memory that in the moment of crisis and in the moment what you needed, that what you've been speaking and saying that has created something on the inside of you is released by your confession and by your faith. Glory to God, I better be careful. I'll get off on something glorious here. Now notice her, her initial interaction have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter's grievously vexed with a devil. First of all, she used the word mercy. Everybody say mercy. So she must have known what mercy was. Did you get that? A lot of people don't know what mercy is, but the mercy of God is the ability of God from stopping, uh, from the ability of God from stop, uh, the ability of God to stop from happening to you, which should happen to you, either because of you've inflicted yourself with something or done something or, or, or broken a law, and you need what? You need mercy. You need your mistake to be set aside. Amen? And you need something or someone to come in and stop, what, stop what's happening to you so that it doesn't happen. So obviously her little daughter was manifesting in such a way that they knew, that's a devil. That's a devil in that girl. So obviously some type of, you know, convulsions and, and terrible things that were happening and, and, and she's alarmed and she comes to Jesus because she recognized this mercy that there on the earth was a person dispensing that mercy. Did you get that? Now, now, this is so important for us to understand about this subject of mercy because the world needs mercy. The Bible says in the book of Titus, not according to the righteous works which we have performed, but according to His mercy, He has saved us and then washed us and regenerated us with the power of the Holy Ghost. So you've got to understand, when you got saved, God gave you mercy. You say, why? He stopped from happening to you what should happen to you, which means you live your life out, you die, you go to a sinner's hell. But mercy intervened. Mercy is an intervention force. Oh, I'm glad you're so excited. Because some of you don't realize that at this point in life, if you will understand how the mercy of God operates, it's not that you need that mercy, it's that everyone else around you needs it, and you can become like Jesus, a dispenser of that mercy. Every time you talk to someone about Jesus, every time you lead someone to the Lord, the, the most, one that stands out in my mind more than anything, we were at an at a, at a, at a event last night with uh, Rocky and Yoska Malloy that, that run... Uh, 
uh, missions generation. And I've known Rocky ever since he, he, he went into the ministry. And he and I were out at the Mardi Gras uh, uh, passing out tracts and talking to people about Jesus. And there were some men walking down a sidewalk and I handed one a track and he stepped up on the grass and he looked at this track and it was a track that said, The Big Question. How many remember the Big Question track we used to use? Yeah, amen. And so he asked me, what is this? And I said, this is a gospel track. And he looked at me and he said, what is a gospel track? And I said, a gospel track is a little snippet of information out of the Bible that tells you that God loves you. And he kind of said, that God loves me like that. So I started right there going right down the Roman road, how we're all sin, come short of the glory of God. But God has redeemed us through Christ Jesus the Lord. And I got to the place where it says, if you'll believe in your heart, confess it. And I'll never forget, this is a well-dressed, handsome, black gentleman, about six foot four that went to the University of Houston. I'll never forget his face, because when he looked at me, this is what he said. He said, I've been looking for this my whole life. That's what he said to me. I said to him, What? He said, I have been looking for this my whole life. And I'll never forget taking his hands in mine, praying that prayer, letting go of his hands, and looking him in the eye and saying, find your church, get you a Bible. I don't know whatever happened to the guy, but it amazed me that he received that mercy right there, standing on the street. So this woman recognized Jesus was, is, and forever will be the dispenser of the mercy of God. He has an ability to stop from happening to you. You say, I got a bad diagnosis. God can give you mercy. You say, Pastor, I've been addicted and afflicted for years. God can give you mercy. No matter what you're going through, what you're facing, the mercy of God is more than enough to stop from happening to you what should happen to you. So what was the plight? Uh, you you got to know. It was very bad, very negative. What was the plight of little girls in the Middle East 2,000 years ago that got possessed by devils? What was their outcome? What happened to them? They died. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He done stole the daughter. Now he's trying to kill her and destroy her. But mercy is walking around on the earth. I said, but mercy, you got to get a hold of it. Mercy was walking around on the earth. So if mercy would just walk around on the earth, no. When he rose from the dead, he blanketed the earth with his mercy. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Then she says this, Oh, Lord. Now, not, not, not rabbi, not prophet. Oh, Lord. Now, notice this. Thou son of David. She's understood covenants. Now, see, there's a whole lot more here than you just read when you read through that. But now, now she's putting the demand on the mercy of the Lord based on a covenant that God had with David. Boy, you'd have thought she just got a miracle just like that. Look what happens. But he answered her, not a word. Now that's kind of scary. When you cry out to God and you think you found an answer, you think, well, I'll go to Island Church. Maybe they'll have. And you come and all of a sudden nothing happens. I mean, you think, well, I thought I'd get a miracle. I thought God would say something to me. I thought I'd feel something. I thought I'd see something. Jesus just stood there. Now, in thinking of this over the years and trying my best to understand the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is kind. 
He is compassionate, but he also stayed within the perimeters of who he was. He didn't step out of those perimeters and act like some God walking around on the earth. He stayed within those perimeters and ministered the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of, of, excuse me, ministered the mercy and grace of his heavenly Father, who is now our heavenly Father. Amen. So, so, so he's standing there saying nothing. Amen. And the disciples, those supposed to be good guys, came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. So her approach must have been desperate. See, sometimes you can't judge people. Let me say that again. The Bible says, Judge not, lest you be judged. And listen, let me say something to you, church, because we have to prepare ourselves to love people who are desperate. And this world is filling up with desperate people. It is literally filling up with desperate, hopeless people who have no hope whatsoever. They don't know what's going on, what's going to happen. All they know is this world is shaking and they're shaking with it. Amen. So not only do you have the quietness of the one that can do something for you said nothing. But then you have his disciples, and I guarantee you she was right there by Jesus, and here comes Peter and James and John and these disciples, and they're saying, hey, man, she's really disturbing us. Now, let me just say this. When the cry of the desperate begin to disturb us, we need to shut this thing down. You may laugh, but I've been to churches where the cry of the desperate disturbed them. You, you may laugh, but I've been to places where the cry of the desperate disturbed them. But listen, the cry of, dis, of the desperate ought to inspire us to bring the desperate the answer that we got when we were desperate. But he answered. Now he's going to speak. He answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, you know, he's quoting scripture here. So he's staying within the perimeter. God didn't, listen, God didn't call the Lord Jesus Christ to break out of Israel and go into the nations of the world and bring a great healing revival. He didn't do it. He called Jesus to be the completion of the Abrahamic covenant when, when Abraham lifted that knife over Isaac and had gave God the right to give his only begotten son, he did that within the, within the covenant that he made with Abraham. But see, then the whole world got in on it because God so loved, so loved the world. So he's staying scriptural and he's staying. Listen, no word from God is a no to you on anything that is legitimate and righteous. Let me say that again. No word from God is enough, like for healing. or I'm believing God that, 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 that God's going to save Uncle Bob, but God told me no. Well, that's not true. God did not tell you no. Because God is not willing that any should perish, so that goes against his word. That's why our faith must be in the word, amen? So he's made a statement now. He's released life. He's released his word. Is it a rejection? If you're, not, if you're not in the right, how can I say that, Lord? 
If your mind is not in the right mindset, everything God says you think could be a rejection. Because that's what the enemy does. That's how he steals the word out of your heart. Amen. But now, here's Jesus, and he says this. He said, I'm going to read it. It says, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that statement a no to her request? No. It's not a, no, I'm not going to heal your daughter. No, I'm not going to do it. It's not. But how many people at that point would turn and say, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll find me another Lord. Maybe there's somebody else out there roaming around in the hills that can help me. Amen. But now notice, many times a desperate situation will put you in a different mindset. And without realizing it, it'll put you in a mindset of reception. Because now you have this trauma or this crisis of life that you can't do anything about. And you, you need some divine mercy to get you out of it. Amen. And so a word spoken, don't ever judge that word as a rejection or a no. You've got to stay there and let the word complete its revelation process in you. I'm not sent. But unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There, here's the key. This is what, what, what Brother Osteen, Pastor John Osteen, so impressed upon us as, as, as the members of, our, of Lakewood Church and, and Bible school students. Notice what it says. It says, then she worshiped. It says she came and she worshipped him. She came and she worshipped him. And I remember how passionately Pastor Osteen used to preach and he said, he said, I'll never forget how he said, he said, when you don't understand God, you have to worship. When you can't figure out why it's not happening, you have to worship. When it looks like every door is closed and nothing's going on, you have to worship. And then I kind of took that and over the years I kind of begin to look at worship and I begin to see that worship is a tuning device. You got to be on you got to be on the same frequency. You got to be on the faith frequency. That means you got to hear and not listen. Now, now before I get ahead of myself, this whole story encompasses the dynamic of the difference between listening and hearing. Because if you listen to the words that Jesus said, you turn and you walk away and you feel rejected. And you feel like you've been, you've been uh, uh, that they've exercised a prejudice against you because of your ethnic background. These people were half-breeds. They were not accepted by, by, by uh, uh, the Jewish people and the fact that Jesus was even talking to her was a miracle. Amen. But then she worshipped. No matter where you are in life, no matter what is going on, when you start to worship, it's like reaching up on a great big old dial and you begin to turn that dial and tune that dial and it gets your eyes off of self, it gets your eyes off of the problem, it gets your eyes off all the no's and the why nots and all the, other, all the ifs, ands and buts. It gets all that stuff, all the clutter and all the noise that the clutter can produce and it helps you get on that one frequency. It's narrow. It's a narrow frequency. It's not wide. It's narrow. But worship puts you on it. And I can see her worshiping him. And down, bowing at his feet. Down in the dirt, worshiping and worshiping him. And, and you know, her worship granted her another response. She done got one, now she gets another. Notice this. But he answered. Now he's speaking again. Now he answered. And he said this. 
But he answered and said, It is not meet or, or it's not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Woo-wee! Have we got political now? Have we just called someone a dog? But see, she'd been worshiping. I said, she'd been worshiping. And what worshiping or what worship did for her, worship will do for you. Worship will help you cross the dividing line between listening and hearing. Everything you listen to, you make intellectual or soulish editing. It takes place in your mind whether you realize it or not. It's against the backdrop of all your experience, of everything else you've heard from the Word of God, and everything else you've done. But you listen. You have to understand God's given you the power, the strength, and the words in His Word to control your mind to where the Word of God comes to you. It is not your thought process that accepts it. It's your heart. With listening, you listen with your ears. With hearing, you hear with your heart. You had to have heard at least one time in your life or you wouldn't be saved. But you heard one time. That means you can hear again and you can hear again and you can hear again and you can hear again. And when she began to worship, she stepped over into the hearing place and when she heard, it's not meat, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to dogs, she just went, glory! I heard that! I bet the disciples were over there. Boy, he's telling her now. He's telling her now. He's getting rid of her now. That old dog coming around here trying to get the children's bread. Not what she thought. That's not what she thought. He didn't call me a dog. He gave me my answer. He gave me my word. By even little puppies, when they're eating around the table and the children are there, the puppies, they get all the food they want. Kids feed dogs. All I need. I'm not looking for some great David's coming. I'm not. I need my daughter healed. I need my daughter healed. There's my answer. How'd she receive his goodness? How did she receive her mercy? With a confession. With a word of acceptance of what he had just said. She didn't trick Jesus. He set her up. Now let me just say something. There's, uh, I, I know this in my spirit because I pastor this church. Several of you in here may be in that same condition where you're facing a situation and everything you're hearing is like, what is that? I mean, that's what the Bible says. I mean, that's what the Bible says. And you're thinking in your mind. You're thinking in your mind, trying to intellectually figure out what this word is trying to say to you. Well, you need to quit doing that. And you need to just worship God. And you need to learn how to get still before Him. And as you learn how to worship God, and let me just say this, get in, a, get in a spiritual atmosphere, but do it all the time. That's why we're having prayer, doing all that. You say, why? Because we can't help anybody unless we help them in the Spirit. Do you understand that? You understand all these great churches with all, these, all this money, and they help nobody with the doctrine of a denomination. They help nobody with theology and spiritual rhetoric. They help nobody. Nobody gets saved. Nobody gets healed. Nobody gets born again. They look at the Bible, rejoice over what God did 2,000 years ago, and deny what he's doing today. The word of God. We said this last week when we studied J.R.S. Remember when Jesus walked in there? He said, huh, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. What did the world do? 
they laugh. That's what your mind will do. Your mind will mock your faith. Your mind will laugh at you, but you've got to make a decision. I am not a mind. I'm a spirit. On the inside of me, that resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, it literally dwells inside of my spirit man in, in a spiritual material form, and it releases, just like some piece of radiation in my flesh would release radiation to kill me. This is in my spirit, and it's releasing life in me. Amen. You ever drove down the road told yourself to live? You ever drove down the road worshiping God, praising God, and just stop and just start saying live? I'm going to live. I'm going to live. Not, not like you're dying. No, I mean you begin to just declare the life of God. i got the life of God in me. I've got the life of God in me. There's something on the inside of me. It's not in this world. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. That's old song we used to sing. Amen? The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. It's on the inside of me, and I'm not uncovenanted like this woman, no connection, no covenant whatsoever, but still it was the Word. You say, why? He watches over His Word to perform it. And when she said, yay, Lord, Jesus knew, you got it, honey. I'm fixing to perform. Your, your daughter's fixing to get delivered, and I'm fixing to tag you with a tag that's going to be on you for the rest of your life. You're a woman with great faith. Let's wind it up before I get excited. <laughs> now look what happens. I think this is so cool. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread, to cast it to dogs. She said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, Woman, great is thy faith. Only second time. Both times Jesus identified great faith, it was in people that were not in the covenant. The, the centurion and this woman. Great is your faith. Man, when Jesus says great, oh my goodness. Great is your faith. Be it unto thee. See it here. Be it unto thee, even as thy will. I was reading another translation that said, Be it unto thee, even as thou hast said. Her daughter, now notice this, her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So the mercy she was looking for, she found. That which she listened to, did not dissuade her from a miracle, that which she heard produced a miracle. Yeah. I wrote into my notes when I was studying this the other day. This is the difference between listening and hearing. You listen with your mind, you hear with your heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto. So once you've been saved, you fill in the other side of the unto. That's your choice to fill in that. Confession is made unto. Pastor, I need healing. Unto healing. Confession. Pastor, I'm so broke. I, I, I ain't got enough money. Pay attention. Confession is made unto your prosperity. Well, Pastor, I, I, I'm addicted. Well, confession is made unto deliverance. Whatever you need, you, you, confess, you speak and you release that faith. Now, this, this, the inspirational part of this for me is 
seen the enormity of the resistance against her before this ever happened. Being a woman, being a woman of Canaanite, amen, uh, 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 not being in the covenants of Abraham, of, of Moses, of, of David, uh, of, uh, of feeling rejection from a nation for, for, for almost, almost, almost 400 years that probably all things being equal they were part of. Amen? Not only that, how illegal it was for her to do what she was doing in approaching a, a, a Jewish man, a Canaanite woman. Amen? Not only that, it seemed for sure that, her, that, that his disciples were not on the same page he was. So obviously there needed to be a little work there. Amen? But if you begin to list all of the opposition, including if you were listening with your ears what Jesus said. Now think of it like this. Someone said, well, hey, man, you know, it's not me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel. So automatically, if you're listening with your soul, you hear, ain't no way you're going to get healed. Ain't no way you're going to get nothing from your daughter. God does not communicate on natural levels. He does not speak in line with the fallen world system. He speaks his own word. And he watches over his own word. And the words that Jesus spoke were not designed to reject this woman. These words were designed to get her a healing by going around a lot of the covenants that he was coming to complete. You know what he was telling the world in that? Whosoever. You know what he was telling the world? Whosoever. Come on. He was telling the world, whosoever, whosoever, whosoever. Here's a little whosoever that nobody can do anything for, but whosoever found mercy, the mercy of God. Could you imagine? You ought to, you ought to take time and meditate on this. What it was like when she got home. It was glorious. What was it like when she got home? There's her daughter, clothed in her right mind. No demonic manifestation. Could you imagine the peace of God that must have been in that house? Because Jesus said this, that she was what? Whole. Not just healed, not just cleansed, but whole. Because the design of God is not just healing and wholeness. I mean, healing is cleansing and healing. It's wholeness in your life. And that's what God desires to do, is to bring wholeness in your life. Now, in conclusion, the simplicity of all of this, the simplicity, take God at his word. No edits, no Baptist, no Catholic, no Methodist, no charismatic, no Pentecost. Take him at his word. Take him at his word. You say, why? Because that is what God has left us to reveal himself, to empower us, to reveal the Holy Spirit, to reveal Jesus, who is Jesus, the living Word of God. And I guarantee you, every time that we hear and not listen, we're fixing to get a breakthrough and we're fixing to see, we're fully persuaded that what God has promised, He's also able to what? What is operational faith? It's the faith that gets you to the performance. I mean, you're going to have to do something. Well, I'm waiting around to see what God's going to do. You ain't getting nothing. Amen? I was praying the other day. I was 
Drove by the land, was praying over the praying over the land, and everything. somebody said to me, "When are you gonna mill that building?" I looked at them and said, "It's already built in my heart." And they kind of looked at me like, "Oh, you're one of them, Karen." Huh? <laughs> Amen. There is two ways to live, two ways to receive communication, two ways to see, two ways to speak, two ways to believe. You say, what do you mean? There's that which fallen man does, human faith, human hope, human expectancies, always negative, always, always expects the worst. But there is faith in God. We sang this morning about his goodness. Oh, man. I mean, we did a whole conference one year on the goodness of God. I'm still thoroughly convinced that most of the world that's even heard of Jesus has not experienced his goodness. But if you ever get a taste, that's why David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Could you imagine how she must have gone home that day singing the praises of God, saying the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Yeah. Now they have a testimony. Now they have a miracle because she would not quit nor leave when things sounded a little abstract to her mind. She worshiped and got on that frequency. And God delivered the miracle that she needed. Same thing's true of us. God is no respecter of persons. You believe God. You stand in faith. You walk in, you walk in Christ, in faith. And I guarantee you, the days of your life will be full of joy. You'll have a lot of fun. We have embarrassing fun. You say, what do you mean by that? Sometimes we're embarrassed we have so much fun. Well, life's not like that. You see, life's hard. and you're, Well, go ahead and live like that. Amen? But I'll tell you, Jesus said, I'm come. I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. We had Brother Frank, go to the keyboard, if you will, real quick. Lift your hands up and worship God for a moment. Father, we worship you this morning. You're a good God. Jesus, we love you. How, how kind and compassionate. How you, how you steered that woman right around everything that would have stopped your miracle power from flowing and got her right to that place where she could make that statement, receive that miracle. Father, we know you're no respecter of persons. Lord, men and women here this morning that need your provision, need your miracle working power, need your healing, whatever it may be that they need, we thank you that you're the God that's here for them. The greatest need of man, Lord. Those that are separated from God and do not know Him. We thank you that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And we thank you, Father, that those that are dead in their sins and trespasses, Father, here at Island Church, we're able to present the gospel in such a way which they see the goodness of God. Father, I pray the gentle conviction of the Spirit of God be here in this service this morning that those that do not know him or those that may be out of fellowship with him will return to the Lord, to his heart, to his purpose and his will. Hallelujah. Nobody looking around, ever head bowed, ever eye closed, just for a moment, just for a brief moment. Here today you say, Pastor, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need to be right with God. Maybe you've been saved. Well, what's happened to you? You've broken fellowship and God's not broken his relationship with you or you wouldn't even be here this morning. 
But there may be others that say, well, Pastor, I don't even know if I know God. I know there is a God. But if I were to die, I don't know I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'd, I'd go to hell. I don't know what would happen. Well, I'm here to tell you, you can be sure where you're going. You can be sure that you're saved. You can be sure you're a child of God. You cannot just believe it. You can know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's all relevant to your choices. When you choose to know Him, when you choose to receive Him, when you choose to walk in His ways, when you choose to embrace His Word, when you choose to invite His Spirit, things are fixing to change. So if you're here today, say, Pastor, that's me. Pray with me. I need to be right with God. If that's you, lift your hand real quick. Just lift it up and put it down. Anyone at all. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anyone at all. Help me, ushers. Praise God. One hand over here. God bless you. Anyone else? Praise God. Quickly, as I look around one more time, we won't belittle it. One more hand. God bless you. That's two. Anyone else? A simple prayer we're going to pray. Another hand. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Quickly. Anyone else? Quickly. Another hand. God bless you. God bless you. Another hand. That's five. Better praise it. God bless you. You can put it down with you, brother. Hallelujah. You know, I, I believe. Listen, you can, you can all look this way. I believe with all my heart that when you raise your hand, that begins it right there. So what we're going to do, church, stand with us if you will. Everybody stand. Amen. And now we're all going to pray this prayer. Don't you love praying that prayer? I don't know about you. I'm glad I'm saved. And I don't get saved every Sunday. I got saved, I got saved actually in 1962. But I sure love celebrating my salvation. I sure love confessing my Lord, my Savior, and the mercy dispenser. Everybody pray out loud. Heavenly Father, right now, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You sent your Son. You so loved me that you sent Him, virgin born, lived a sinless life, did signs, wonders, and miracles, dispensed the mercy of God. I thank you, Father. He has not quit. He has not quit. So today, the areas of my life, I feel so weak. I feel unable. I thank you, Lord, that you received me back. I'm the prodigal returning to the Father's house. Thank you for my robe of righteousness. Thank you for my ring of authority. I'm now ready to do business on behalf of the Father's family. Thank you, Father, as I stand in Island Church, October the 9th, 2022. I'm safe, right with God. Heaven is my home. Jesus is my Lord, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. Jesus, amen. Praise God. Give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't that great? people got right with God or got saved for them. Hallelujah! They're having a party in heaven! Now, this is, you know, I know that these next two weeks say, well, Pastor, you don't, you don't want to put a demand on it. Come to church, come to prayer, give your money. Just so you know. Look what these conferences have done for us over the years. The momentum it's given us, Amen. And also, not only that, the provision we receive by these wonderful speakers coming 
and ministering on the level that they do. Now, let me say this. I know many of you, we, and I've really been praying, actually, for the past two or three years, especially people with diabetes and arthritis. These, what I call them, life, life diseases. Well, doctors say you got to live for this the rest of your life. Amen. Now, now, you know, years ago, when Lee and I couldn't have children, God sent Oral Roberts into our life. I don't know why, but that's who he sent. And I, and I realized he was sent. That means our encounter with him was divinely set up. It was divinely set up by God. Amen. And I received, I recognize, Lee and I both, we recognize, this is our, this is our encounter that we need. Now, in praying about, actually it was last year after fall harvest, the Lord spoke to me because I was sitting right there listening to Christopher and the Lord spoke to me and said, you ain't giving him enough time. Christopher needs time. If Christopher has time, he'll bring that healing anointing into this building. So you need to begin now to pray. Father, I thank you when that gift is in this building. I'm going to receive it, Jesus. It's not, Christopher's not a gift. There's a gift in here. It's a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a powerful gift. Uh, I was reading his, the miracles that happened in Zambia uh, these past two weeks. Some of them are off the charts. That one little boy had no muscles in his leg at all. No muscles, church. And God did a creative miracle and put a muscle structure into his neck. He never held his head up and put his head up and started worshiping. Come on. Amen. See, some people just bring Jesus in a different way. They bring him according to their anointing, their gifting, and their experience. And if you can't do the math on, on the, one of the greatest crusade preachers in the world, come into a little church. But see, we are the biggest little church in the world. So pull on that gift. You've been having problems with depression. Expression, listen, depression's horrible. Pull on that gift, it's in Eddie. Eddie had an experience with Jesus. Jesus appeared to Eddie and anointed him. Or he wouldn't be having this experience. Listen, when we were in meetings with him and God began to move, God gave me a word for him that's come to pass about God using him to deliver many from depression and pain. His books would do it. His ministry, he'll be here Sunday morning. Amen. And Joe Morris is one of the few men that I know of that has created miracles in his ministry. That literally has had limbs grow on people. Appendages grow on people. You say, why are you saying all this? It's just another level of Jesus. Another, another level that Jesus... Now listen, because of our faithfulness, because of our willingness, and because of what we've done over there, Jesus is okay. All the church says, let's send them the best. So he sends the best he always has. But you need to learn to draw, pull on those gifts. Pull on them. Just you say, how do I do that? Just pray. Say, Father, I believe I received. Just as you normally would believe. Just do it. And then let's see what the Spirit of God do. Amen. Praise God. Don't forget prayer this week. Tonight we'll begin at 7 o'clock. Now listen, I know a lot of people, weeks are busy. But listen, this is a time in which we make time. We make time to come to church. We make time to pray. You say, why? Because you can't, listen, God doesn't bless lazy. Woo, I should have got a better amen than that. He don't bless lazy, amen? He bless people that are pressing in. We're going to press in in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for this morning. For all five that raised their hand, we pray a, pray a special blessing over them, Lord. Empower and strengthen them in a mighty way. Lord, as we leave today, we never take it for granted. But we always declare, you are a faithful God. 
protecting us, keeping us from all harm. Hallelujah. Let me just say that. You say, Pastor, you think we're going to have a nuclear war? No. Because people are getting real stirred up about that right now. You say, Pastor, you, you think we're... No. You say, why not? Number one, God would tell me if we were. Number two, the scripture says, the days before Jesus comes back, it will be as in the days of Noah. So we're going to have to get out of here before there'll be a nuclear war. You say, you think there'll be one during the tribulation? I think the whole thing will be a nuclear war. I think the whole thing will be a mess. That's why we've got to come back and restore this thing. Amen. So don't let that front. So I don't know, that was for somebody here. Someone has been terrorized by that. Oh my God, nuclear war. No, 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 no. I go ahead. Amen. And when we're in heaven or in the clouds going, oh, God, the rapture, I said, see, I told you. I told you so. Well, what if what happens? Quit living on the what ifs. Start living on the thus saying. Where was I? Thank you, Father, for protection. <laughs> Hallelujah. Psalms 91 says, no evil will befall us. That's evil. That's evil. No evil befalls us. No pledge can our dwell. Angels have charge over us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. They bear us up. <laughs> At least we dash our foot against each other. So we do. We stand against accidents in the workplace, accidents in travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways. We declare that the provision of God is in our lives, and we declare in Jesus' name, all of our righteous labor is blessed. Bless our jobs. Bless our businesses. Protect our investments. Give us wisdom in all areas. Lord, as we leave today, let that fire of evangelism stir in us. We're all surrounded by people 24-7. Need Jesus. Let our invitations be anointed. Let our witness be weighty. Weighty with the words of God. Fathers, we leave today. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Lord. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.